everybody. Welcome to Church Online. I'm so glad that you are enjoying Church Online with me today, or maybe you're listening by a podcast. We're in week two of a series that we began last Sunday called But God. And what an encouraging week that we had together. As we're moving into the Thanksgiving season, sometimes it's just good to reflect and to be thankful and to be reminded about how good God is. And that's really what this series is about. It's about encouragement to you and to me to know how good God is and how much he loves you and how much grace he has for you and the power that God possesses to make a change in your life. And this whole series is come out of Ephesians chapter 2 and two verses of scripture really sum up the heart of what we're trying to communicate to you in this series, but God. Look at it with me. In verse 4 of Ephesians 2, it says, But God, underline that if you can, But God is so rich in what? In mercy. And He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. What a powerful verse of Scripture that says, but God. And when that begins, it changes everything. Just that term, but God. He's so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that while we were dead in our sin, while we were powerless, while we could not fix it ourselves, when we were at the end of our rope, when we thought all hope was gone, when we thought the marriage was over, when we thought the relationship was done, when we thought the doctor's report was the final word, but God, but God showed up rich in mercy and rich in love, and he did for us what we could not do on our own. Where would we be but God? We use that word but or that term many times throughout the day in many different forms or contexts. The actual definition of the term but simply means on the contrary, unless or except. However, when God steps in and begins to use this terminology, he uses it completely different. The power in which he possesses. Last week, we talked about but God said. And we talked about the authority that God brings when he speaks. I had this conversation with my five-year-old. Sometimes he'll look at me and he'll say, Dad, what did I say? And I'm like, hey, bud, you're five. What did I say? I like the authority of being a dad because I'm in charge. It's like, it doesn't matter what you said. doesn't matter what you think. What I said is the final word because I have the authority. And so God is the same way. When God speaks and when God begins to say something, everything has to respond. The whole world was created because God spoke it. And when God shows up in Scripture and you see it says, but God, it, is God, it has power behind it. And today I'm encouraged by the fact that God loves us the way he does. And today I want to talk to you. I titled your message, But God Remembered. But God Remembered. Throughout various places in the Bible, it will tell us that God remembered something. 
or God remembered someone. Now, it's not like uh, God is forgetful or that his brain fails him the way your brain fails you or the way my brain fails me. I'm accused a lot. Uh, I won't say who, maybe my wife. Uh, she accuses me a lot of, of not listening all the way. She'll say that she said something or gave me a detail or asked me to do something in which I don't remember that happening at all. She says I'm forgetful or I have selective memory. I don't know if that's a guy thing, but I know that she would say that I have maybe selective hearing or selective memory. But that's not what God's doing. God is not forgetful. God is not letting information pass him by without holding on to it. You see, it's really more about God's faithfulness. When God remembers, when you see in Scripture that God has remembered somebody, it is usually followed by an act of kindness or goodness from God himself to those that he remembered. Today, I want to share with you a very famous story out of the Bible. Maybe growing up in church, if you grew up in Sunday school, maybe you heard the story of Noah and the ark. Maybe you saw the little pictures on the wall in a daycare, or maybe you saw it on a picture on a wall somewhere. You've seen the depiction of that big boat with those animals involved hanging out of the window or sitting on the the, the, the deck of the ark. We have all these illustrations of what it was. But as a matter of fact, the story of Noah and the ark was, was kind of a dark, gloomy, dangerous, depressing story. It was really the, the destruction of God's creation. But in the middle of it, God remembered. And so today, I want to break this down. And, and my hope today is, one, that we're convicted by what we hear. Uh, two, I hope that we're encouraged that know, to, uh, to know that because of our situation and our inability, God is able to step in and you and I can both have a but God moment. So I want to pray for us today and then we're going to take a look at a famous story in the book of Genesis, the story of Noah and the ark. And we're going to learn three things that God remembered for us, what God did for us and what he will do for you today. So Father, I love you. Thank you for my friends watching online. I thank you for this moment that we have to come into your word today to be changed, to be rearranged, to be stretched, to be made better because your word is what changes us. So we give you all the room today, God, to do whatever you want to do in Jesus' name, amen. So look at a verse of scripture with me out of Matthew chapter 24. This is out of the New Testament. Jesus is speaking and he's talking about the day that Jesus will return. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus said one day he will return back to this world to take us who belong to him back to heaven. And there's a process involved with that. But this is what Jesus is giving a description of, of that day. He said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Underline that statement, in Noah's day. Jesus is referencing the story of Noah, or Noah and the ark. Verse 38, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time... Noah entered his boat. Verse 39, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came. 
swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Jesus is painting a picture. He's giving a warning. He's letting us know that just up the road, the bridge is out, and we must be prepared to encounter the dead end that is ahead. You see, Jesus is painting a picture to the people of the modern culture compared to what it was in the day of Noah. He's reflecting on this Old Testament story, this happening that took place in history. You see, Jesus is saying that as in the days of Noah, everybody's having a good time. Everybody's doing what makes them happy, what pleases themselves. They're all focused on their own enjoyment. You do you and I'll do me. Everything is subjective. There is no truth because you are yours and, and I am mine and whatever makes me happy. These people were having a party, it said, up until Noah entered his boat. One word I want you to underline is it said people didn't realize what was going to happen until. Underline that word until. You see, people were oblivious of what was going on in their culture. They were oblivious about what was going on in the world around them. Friends, I feel like today in 2021, in our culture, in our time, the day that we're living, I feel like this reflects our culture more than ever before. I believe that today we have people just saying, if it feels good, do it. If I feel this way, well, then that's just the way it is. There is no right. There is no wrong. Everything is subjective. And everything seems good until. Have you ever had an until moment? It was a good morning until you spilled coffee in your lap on the way to work. It was a good morning until your kids threw a tantrum as you were trying to get in the car and now you're late for school. It was good sleep until you overslept through your alarm clock and now you're late for work. It was good until. All of us have had an until moment. And what Jesus is describing is a whole culture that had an until moment. And what was that until moment? It's that it, the flood came and swept them all away. Destruction was on the way. See, today I need us to be very aware that the decisions that we make and the sin that we live in and separating ourselves from a relationship with God, the flood will come. Destruction is on the way. This will not continue. God will not allow us to separate and to live in sin because one day, this culture and this world will face an until moment. That's what Jesus is saying. Until it came and swept them all away. And that's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. What in the world was going on when Noah was walking the earth? What was happening in their culture? I'm so glad you asked that question. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 5-7 through seven with me. It says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently, underline that, it was consistently and totally, underline that, consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and that he put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Wow. 
Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry that I ever made them. Wow. I thought the story of Noah and the ark was about those cute animals and that family on this beautiful built boat and the rainbow in the sky. I didn't realize that this came in response to God's anger and destruction because of all of the sin. It changes the perspective when you understand what God is doing. You see, these people's hearts and actions and lives were so far away from God that they no longer acknowledged Him. You see, they had embraced their own culture, their own way of doing things, their own feelings, their own emotions, their own decisions, and they had run as far away from God as they could possibly run until the moment that God said, my heart is so broken at how far away the people that I love and my creation, my son, and my daughters. I'm so heartbroken at how far away they are. I've got to do something about it. But in the middle of this destruction, in the middle of this bleak moment of history, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? You're glad you're tuned in today to Church Online. You're glad you tuned into this podcast. It's a good, feel-good moment, isn't it? Well, I have good news for you. As your title said today, I've got three things that I want to give you today that God did in the middle of this story that will bring you encouragement to reach you where you are in this culture that we're living in. I want to teach you today how to overcome this moment. The first thing I need you to know in the middle of this story is, but God remembers. Write that word down, remembers. Wow, that's encouraging. I titled your message today, But God Remembered. So fittingly, the very first thing that we see in the life of Moses that makes this such a beautiful story and such encouragement for us today is that God remembers. Remember, he didn't forget. It's about his faithfulness. Look at Genesis 8 and 1 with me. It says this, But God remembered Noah. Now let's back up and look at the gravity of that statement, the weight and the importance and the significance of that simple statement, but God remembered Noah. But God remembered Noah. You see, as God looked across the earth, he saw nothing but sin and evil and, and, and division and, and, and divide from God and man. They had no longer had any love or respect or care or concern or thought or emotion toward their creator. And God said, I cannot let this sin continue. I am going to wipe it all out. But God remembered Noah. What a statement to be an individual in the middle of the world covered by sin and darkness, stained by their separation from God, yet in the middle of it, God remembered Noah. How do you be a person that God remembers? In the middle of our culture today, in the world that we're living in, how can God remember you? How can God remember me? You see, I have a decision to make today of which side of this 
picture of this story that I'm going to be on. I don't know about you today, but in the middle of this culture that is sinking around us, I want to be a guy in the boat. I want to make it into the boat. I want God to remember me. Well, let's take a look at Noah's life to see why God remembered Noah. Genesis 6 and 9, we get a description. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, Noah was a righteous man. Now, that does not mean perfect, because I know what you're thinking. Man, there's no hope for me, because uh, in the middle of all this stuff, I'm, I'm kind of right there. I've got my own issues and my own struggles and my own issues that I'm trying to overcome. Noah wasn't perfect. Noah didn't do everything right, but he was righteous. In other words, the key thing is, is it says that he walked in close fellowship with God. Underline that, close fellowship. You see, Noah remained close to God. Even though culture had moved away, even though they didn't think it was important to recognize God, even though they said, hey, we can have many gods. You can choose your own God. You live your truth and, and, and everything is subjective. And I, I know what was said about God and, and I know what we've been taught, but this is the way I feel or this is the way I think. I'm going to write my own script in which to live by. You see, God is the ultimate author. We don't write our own story. We do not get to write the rules. And in the middle of a culture doing that, Moses walked closely with God. Today, if you want God to remember you, you've got to be walking closely with God. It's like my relationship with my wife. I love my wife. She's my favorite person on the planet, as a matter of fact. I love to spend time with her. I love to be around her. And I have since the day that I met her. As soon as I met her, I just like to be in her company. I just like to talk to her. I just like to be in a room where she was. And there was a process of, of winning my wife and building a relationship and into our marriage now of nearly 13 years. And, and there's five things that are extra. They're not on your outline, but you can write these down that I think help me walk closely with my wife. And I think they apply to your relationship with God. I think these five quick things that I'm going to give you will actually help you to walk closely with God and even your spouse today or somebody that you're in love with, the first thing is this, is write down this word, desire. Desire. I had a desire to be with my wife. I had a desire to please my wife. I had a desire for her to love me and to want to be with me and to know me and, and to have relationship. You see, you have to pursue that person. I began my relationship by pursuing my wife. Why? Because she was my desire. She's who I wanted to be with and to spend my time with and enjoy life with. I pursued that person. I want to ask you this question today, and I want you to be honest to yourself. Is God your desire? Is he the object of what your desire is? Is God what you're pursuing? And if he's last on the list then we need to rearrange some priorities so that you would pursue Him. The second word that I want you to write down is devotion. Write down that word devotion. You spend time with them. I got to know my wife. We formed a relationship 
because we spent a lot of time together. I mean, from the day we met, we were spending time together. We went places together. We hung out together. We started texting. We started calling. We spent a lot of time. We devoted ourselves to the building of this relationship. We devoted ourselves to one another. You need devotion to God. You need to commit yourself to spending time with Him and being in His presence. And then the next word I would say is delight. Treat them special. I delight my wife. I treat her special. I treat her different than any other person on the planet. I just love to treat my wife. You need to do that with God. You need to worship Him. You need to treat Him special. Something that is important to you gets your affection. It gets your attention. It gets your absolute best because you treat them special. Delight the Lord. The next word I want you to write down is dollars. Dollars. I spend money on my wife. I spent money on her from the day that I met her. As a matter of fact, the first thing that we did together, just the two of us, is I took her out to eat and I paid for the bill. I spent some dollars on her. I drove her around. I put gas in my car. I spent my money, my resource, my dollars on her. Why? Because she was worth it. Because she meant something to me. You know, God wants everything that you have. If God is first, then you got to honor him with everything that you've got. You give to him because he gave to you. It's the very principle that God teaches us. Give him your dollars. That'll tell you if he is first, if, if you are honoring and walking closely with him. The last word I'll have you to write down is dedication. I married my wife on December the 5th, 2008. I remember it. I never forget my anniversary. That's not a date that I have to remember or have to struggle to bring to my recollection. No, because it is important to me. Why? Because I still pursue my wife. I'm, I still have a desire for her. I still have devotion to her. I still delight her. I spend my dollars on her and I am dedicated to her. I married her. I went to the next level. I didn't just say, yeah, I'd like to hang out with you. Let's continue to this degree as long as we don't have any dedication to this. But no, I put a ring on it. I committed to it. I am dedicated to it with all of my life. And that's why God remembered Noah, because he walked closely with God. Today, if you want God to remember you, to look down and his faithfulness shine on you, you have to walk closely with him. Number two, but God, not only did he remember Noah, but he rewards. God remembers and God rewards. Look what happened in Genesis 6, 17, and 18. He said, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But, there it is, but I will confirm my covenant with you. Underline that word, you. Hey Noah, watch out. Look, I'm about to destroy everything. These people are so far gone right now. 
that in order to in order to maintain the future of human race and for people to have a reconnection with me see this is the setup before God would begin this process of trying to get back the hearts of people you see he was starting fresh so that he could get the hearts of people through Noah the one person who walked closely with him and because Noah walked closely with God, God rewarded him. I'm about to destroy the earth. I'm about to start over, but, there it is, but I, I will do what? What did he say? I will confirm my covenant with you. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties so that the relationship is all that it is intended to be so that it is strong, so that it is healthy, so that it's a two-way commitment between two parties. God says, hey, Noah, because you walked closely with me, I remember you. And because of that, I'm going to reward you with a covenant, with a promise in this relationship that what? That I will be with you. This covenant, this agreement, that's the, that's the promise that God gives to you. We say this around here a lot. You've probably heard me say this so many times, that obedience opens the door to blessing. And that when you walk in obedience and relationship with God, when you are walking closely with Him, you are rewarded by God's favor on your life. What is it about this covenant? A covenant is a mutual commitment. I want to ask you this question today. If you're considering, if God is remembering you, how is the commitment level in your relationship with God? What is the commitment level? Because it's mutual commitment. That's really what a covenant is. That's what the reward is. That as God is faithful to you, then you are in return faithful to God. That's how God remembered Noah. Noah was faithful to God and then God was faithful to Noah. There's a covenant there. A covenant is mutual consideration. That it's not just about you. I want you to understand something today that not everything is about you. For some of you that was worth tuning in today. You needed to know that. Everything is not about you. Everything is not about me. There's mutual consideration for those who are around me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we're to love God and then we're to love people as we love ourselves. What is that? It's mutual consideration. That's what God gives to you. That's a reward that God puts on your life. He has a consideration for who you are. When you walk closely with Him, you reap the benefits. And then there's mutual responsibility. I carry responsibility for my actions. For the way that I honor the Lord and the way that I serve the Lord and the way that I give to the Lord. You see, God's justice is perfect. He's faithful to punish sin and to rescue those who are in covenant with Him. God is a just God. In other words, it's our justice system. It's to be just, to be made right, to be fair and to be balanced, to weigh out the scales of right and wrong. God will not tolerate our sin forever. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. And I want to be remembered. And I want to be rewarded. And then number three, but God rescued. 
But God rescued. He remembered, He rewards, and He rescues. But God rescues. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 18-20, So enter the boat. Underline the word boat because the boat is significant. That's the ark. So enter the boat, Noah, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you and be kept what? Underline this word if you can, alive. God remembers us, God rewards us, and God rescues us. There is a rescue mission happening right now for you and for me. Whatever situation that you find yourself in, there is a rescue mission and it is available to you. You just have to enter the boat so that you are kept alive. You see, in the middle of the rain, God provided a refuge. In the middle of the rain, God provided a refuge. You know, ark is actually translated from the original Hebrew word, which means a box or storage chest. In other words, God provided a box or a storage for his people that he rescued. You see, because Noah walked closely with God, God remembers him. God rewards him because of that faithful life with a covenant to him to take care of him and to provide for him. And because of that covenant, God rescues him. God prepared a box, a specific place, a place of refuge in the middle of the rain for Noah and his family. You see, God provided a place of protection for his people. There's nothing like being rescued. A few weeks ago, my mom and I were driving down the road and uh, we were just miles from our house. We were on the interstate. And uh, I was about to get off the interstate, and I was going to get some fuel. We were traveling from downtown about 30 minutes south or north of where we live. And uh, I had the, the, the car said I had 16 miles worth of gasoline left in my vehicle. Well, I probably only had you know, six miles maybe to get to my house. I should have been able to drive to my house and back to the spot we were at when I ran out of gas. Now see, everybody's going, you ran out of gas? How did you run out of gas? I can't believe you ran out of gas. Well, the car said I still had 16 miles left in the tank. The car lied to me and let me down. I was just going by what the car told me. We ran out of gas. I called many people. I tried to find someone to come and help me. My wife was the first one I called, but she was stuck getting our son. She was in the carpool line, and she was at least an hour and a half away. Now, we sat there for an hour and a half. My wife was the quickest one that could get to us. And I'm telling you, that feeling of sitting there stranded on that interstate, knowing it was my own fault because I didn't put fuel in the vehicle, but man, when she showed up, when I saw her car coming, when she pulled up with a can of gasoline, we were set and ready to go. There is something about being rescued, having 
something done for you when you can't do it for yourself. Something that gets you out of your circumstance when you can't get out of it yourself. Can I tell you today, but God can restore you. I was lost, but God found me. I was alone, but God brought relationship to me. I was, I was in my own pit. I was in my own problem, but God pulled me out. Today, that's exactly what God wants to do for you. I want to tell you that we're living in a dark time. We're living in a dark world. We're living in a culture today that will face exactly what the Bible has described as the last days. So it will be like the days of Noah when the Son of Man returns. But God, He remembers. He, listen, Come on, not only does he remember, but God steps in and God rewards and God rescues. Today, God wants to do that for you. Today, I want to pray for us because maybe you feel like you're stuck in the middle of it all. And maybe you feel like you're in, in this moment of, uh, of, of doubt. The rain is starting to come and you don't believe Noah. He, he, you're being, you've been told so many times that you need a relationship with God, but maybe you've denied it. Maybe you've just ran with your own decisions, your own desires, your, your own dedications of other things in your life. But today is a, re, is a reminder that you need God to rescue you. You need God to, to, to restore you, to revive you, to remember you. And I want to pray that over you today. So where you are, if you can, will you bow your head, close your eyes? And I would say this, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today is your day. You need this moment to say yes to Jesus. Noah walked closely with God. He, he, he recognized God as the first and the foremost of his life. And that's what saying yes to Jesus is all about. It's transferring ownership of your life to the life of Jesus. Saying, Jesus, now you're in control. I'm not writing my story. I give you the pen. I give you the pad. And I let you write the pages. So today, maybe that's you. Maybe we're in this place today and, and you find yourself in one of these scenarios and, and you just need God to help you to show up and remember you or reward you for that relationship so that you can be rescued. You know where you are today. You've had that moment where you've, you've been in your own place until today God showed up to speak to you. So Father, today, for all of my friends right now, watching online, listening by podcast, I pray that if there's one of us that does not have a personal relationship with you, that today you would change our life. We ask forgiveness of our sin. We ask you to be first and foremost in our life. Jesus, today, we choose you and we put you first. Thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me. And Jesus, I pray for all of us as we have this culture that is drowning in sin, as this world reflects today as it did in the days of Noah. God, I pray that you would remember us. May we walk so closely with you that our name is on the tip of your tongue, God, that we are so close to you that you would remember us. God, reward those who are walking closely with you. Establish a covenant with us of your care and your commitment and your protection over our life. God, rescue us from the life of sin that we're in. Rescue us from the storm that is around us. God, we pray that today you get the best of our life because we know, Father, that you are faithful. But 
God. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.